everybody. This is a Penn State football podcast brought to you by FloydLoreGoldState.com. I'm Craig Rosala, and I'm joined by Brandon Musso. How are we doing, Brandon? I'm doing good, baby. Finally got a win. Yeah, first one of the year on November 28th. The Lions pulled one out in Ann Arbor, of all places. Uh, it just goes to show how weird 2020 is. Uh, they won 27-17. to 17, And all in all, it, it was a pretty clean football game that, you know, they deserve to win, and I'll take that more than, you know, a, a bad, rough win that, like, a lot of mistakes and we just happened to pull it out. What do you think? I mean, I thought it was a, a good overall performance um, for the whole team, really, because, I mean, we've watched every game this year, and I can't say I've really enjoyed many of them, but I feel like I finally sat down and enjoyed a um, a good football game. Um and particularly, you know, a good football game out of this Penn State team that hasn't really produced much um, good or positive things this, so far this season. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the good. They won the time of possession battle. They won total yards battle, passing yards, rushing yards, first downs. Um, they did lose the penalty battle, but that wasn't uh, too big of a factor in this game for them. And for the first time all year, they won the turnover battle and – you know, that's that's something a, a lot of positives take away, win or a lot, like if they won or lost. But it comes out with a win, and, you know, it all started really, I think, with the opening drive where they I, – I love taking the football in the second half and being able to build on the end of the second quarter and then go into the second half. But finally, they took the ball to start the game, and they drove right down the field, and they were physically dominant. Kevon Lee had a very, very good opening drive where he had 39 yards on the drive on the ground. We saw Parker Washington start his day off strong with a 20-yard catch. Isaac Lutz got in the action. And overall, it was a 10-play, 75-yard drive. And they only had one third down on the entire drive. And they converted it because it was a third and one and very easy to convert. I thought that really just set the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I feel like every preview podcast we've had this year, I think we both said – can they just get off to a good start on the first drive? And then you kind of set the offense up for the rest of the game. And this was kind of the first time that we've seen them do it so far this year. And I mean, it was awesome to see, and it really did actually set the tone for the rest of the game. And I feel like it was just the very beginning of what I think was, you know, Kurt Karaj's best game in terms of play calling so far this year. Oh, easily. And now I mentioned that Lee did the heavy lifting on the drive with 39 yards Devin Ford did not make the trip to Michigan. Um, he apparently had a tragic family death over the, you know, during the week, um, which is even more unfortunate considering it's Thanksgiving. But we saw Kevon Lee start the day really strong. He ended up being the Big Ten freshman of the week. He had 22 carries on the day, 134 yards, and he had that touchdown opening drive. Um, and then Keziah Holmes was the only other scholarship running back on the team for this trip. And he had 10 carries for 34 yards. We still haven't seen him break up, but we saw Kevon Lee really show off his talents. And we've kind of been waiting on that. He only had 19 carries coming into this game, and he beat that out by a few carries from this game alone. What did you see from uh, the true freshman, Kevon Lee? Um, Yeah, I mean, first off, obviously, um, condolences to Ford and his family. Um, You know, some things are bigger than football, so I hope uh, everything um, turns around for him. But – they were without him. Um, so, you know, Lee and Holmes were kind of forced into the, the, these roles. And I, I mean, I've talked about my doubts with, with Ford in general. Um, and I kind of felt 
that they needed to give the two freshmen some more time to begin with. Um, the circumstances obviously weren't ideal that, which is what gave them the chance to kind of start and play out this whole game. But I mean, as far as their gameplay, I was really happy with how they played. I mean, Lee, as you said, 134 yards, he looked great. I'm really excited about like the running back that he can become because we, we saw one game where he got the bulk of the carries and he really impressed me. Um, just kind of, the shiftiness and even kind of the power that he brought to the game, which is a little bit unexpected because he's not like the biggest guy, um, but he's got a little bit of size and a little bit of power. Um, But aside from him, really good game. Holmes, um, obviously just 10 carries, 34 yards. He wasn't great, but he did have a a couple impressive runs that I think bode well for the future and kind of excite me for him and, you know, his future as a running back. Yeah, I think we'll see more from him. I think he's just still getting his feet wet. And we can't forget that they're true freshmen that are, you know, only halfway through their first season, and it's a weird year. Um, now, with the running backs getting off to such a strong start, I thought it really helped out um, the two quarterbacks. I know we talked about in the last podcast with both Jack and Aaron that we wanted to see, you know, maybe some Robertson, but the two guys that we were going to see were Levis and Clifford. We just didn't know how much. And – you know, Penn State had a pretty good game plan in terms of being able to establish the run, make things easier for these two quarterbacks. Clifford did most of the, you know, the, the duties on Saturday. He handled the ball the most. But, you know, what did you think of their performances on Saturday in terms of, you know, playing complementary football between the passing game and the running game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I, I kind of really loved how they both they used both of the QBs. I mean, part of the play calling that – I kind of mentioned um, in the last podcast was that they need both of these guys to um, kind of go into the game. And I know we know Levis's arm hasn't been good, but I'll tell you when he was taking the ball in those like short yarded situations, as he said, in the run game, I, I was very confident in his ability to get it. He kind of was the guy that I wanted for that situation. And then, you know, you have him mixing in for those plays and you have Clifford, you know, kind of the guy taking care of the, the passing duties. Although, I mean, we did see him, run the ball himself a couple of times, um, a couple of big runs that were um, nice to see the touchdown run being the biggest. Um, But I really, I thought that that was just another part of the play calling that was really strong in this game was their ability to mix in both of those guys and use them with their strengths, which is probably the best part of, or the biggest part of how this offense was successful today or today, Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally agree. I th- it felt like that they used these two guys to their strengths instead of, you know, I, I was the times I've been critical of Will Levis and when he comes in the game is because it seems like it's when he's coming in cold on fourth and one and it's the biggest play of the game. It's like, well, that's not fair to him to put him in that situation, but he does, you know, he ends up getting the blame because I think the coaching staff misused him. But it seemed like that they kept him – you know, on the sideline and let Clifford do his thing. And he was a lot more efficient, a lot more accurate than he has been this year. Didn't turn the ball over. He only had one sack. So mistake-free football from him. First time we've seen that this season. But then they brought Levis in to create a different dynamic. And with that, they didn't let Michigan see Will Levis too much. Where we saw against Iowa, once they figured out how to defend him, you know, he couldn't do anything um, in terms of moving the football down the field. But as soon as they started getting a little bit of a group with Levis, they switched it up, brought Clifford back in, you know, and then they needed the short yard situation. 
uh, you know, they bring Levis back in and he, he would do the trick. Um, I thought it was a great job of playing, you know, complementary football between the running game and the passing game, but also between the two quarterbacks and really using those two guys to their, their advantage and their best skill set. You know, you mentioned the, the touchdown by Clifford to end the half. You know, he, had a, he wasn't the leading rusher on this team finally. You know, we had the running backs really take care of the duties. But Clifford did prove that he's still a very good runner. We saw the run at the end of the first half um, that put Penn State up 17-7 going to halftime. And for the day on the ground, you know, nine carries, 73 yards, and, you know, that touchdown we mentioned, that's very, very efficient from your quarterback when the running backs are doing the job as well. Yeah, and I think just having Levis there to kind of run the ball in certain situations kind of takes the pressure off of Clifford to run with his own legs because I think, you know, Clifford's not the the best runner, but, you know, we've shown he has some mobility. Um, But when you're not having him do all of the quarterback scrambling, I think that really helps him out because it helps you become a lot more, a lot less predictable and predictable as we talk about all the time because then you know, um, there's another guy that you have to game plan for in the running game. And that's, you know, the two running backs and Levis, which is, you know, a lot of guys that a defense has to account for, which I think really helps him kind of, you know, break free with his legs. Yeah. And I think as we saw throughout the game and the limited mistakes from Clifford and Levis, I guess too, the running game being established, I think helped ease them into the game where we didn't see Clifford have the happy feet. And I think that's another good point to bring up is what we saw, you know, just getting used to the game, getting a feel for it and not having those happy feet in the pocket like we've seen the first five games. Yeah, and I think that was kind of a large part of why he was so inaccurate because he just felt very, very uncomfortable in the pocket. So it was nice to see him kind of uh, get out of trouble a couple times and, you know, other times stay actually in the pocket and throw the ball. And one thing I do want to note about him is watching that game, I think he made a lot better decisions than he has been all year, you know, in terms of scrambling out of pocket and when to throw it away, um, when to throw it into the field. I always hated when he'd kind of scramble out and then just throw it up in the middle of the field for, you know, an easy interception, which we've seen a couple times this year, which is super frustrating to watch. But I think in particular this game, this is the first time I kind of seen him like know when to throw the ball away and when, or, you know, what the situation is and, like what kind of situation you need to throw the wall away in and not throw it away or not throw it into coverage and throw an interception and just cause a lot of problems for the offense. Yeah, this is true. Um, so, I mean, really in the first half, the offense, you know, they weren't outstanding by any means, but the running game getting going was a huge part. They took a 17 to seven lead into halftime and really the downfall of this Penn state defense is they had a pretty good day on the field was allowing the big plays to Michigan, and that's what kind of kept them in the game. Um, coming out of halftime, Michigan drove down the field. They kicked a, a 40-yard field goal. Penn State answered right back with a field goal of their own. But then going to the fourth quarter, that's when this game got uh, really good, especially on the Penn State side of things. We saw Michigan end the third quarter and then start the fourth quarter with a really strong touchdown drive that answered that Penn State field goal. And from there, it was, ah, oh, here we go again. This Penn State team in the fourth quarter, they haven't had a win all year, and in recent years, they haven't had a, a very high success rate of being able to close games out, at least in, in a very uh, promising way or efficient way. It's always been holding on for the last second or, in most cases, blowing the lead late. We saw this Penn State team, I think, in recent memory, close out a game the best I, I've seen it, quite honestly, the best I've seen it. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, that's something we haven't seen them do too much at all in the last few years. But, hey, they, they finally pulled it off. Um, you know, defense in particular made some great stands. Um, I was really impressed with them. Um, just in the lo- in the closing minutes of the game, they really kind of were able to stack up and just get more physical on the line, which is something that we've talked about we've wanted them to see. And, you know, as far as the offense – I mean, they've always struggled to be able to to bleed the clock at the end of the game. Um, but their, their ability to convert on those third downs and kind of extend the drive and, you know, further bleed the clock was – I thought that was great to see that the running backs get the job done and kind of close out the game like we haven't seen them do. Um, but to be honest with you, that's kind of what I was expecting from, you know, Kirk's offense. I really thought that he was the kind of guy that could come in and figure out how to close out games because – we haven't seen any of the offenses that, you know, Franklin has had throughout his career be able to close out a game like that. And I think I remember when he first got hired, I remember me and you were talking about him and you kind of said like, he's the kind of guy that knows how to grind down the clock. He knows how to run, you know, the, the four minute offense as you, if you will, um, just kind of close out a game like we haven't seen them, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, to break it down, like you said, Michigan pulled within 20 to 17. Penn State answered right back with a 12-play, 70-yard drive. And talked about on the first drive, short third-down conversions. Penn State had two really key third-down conversions. A third and three, which ended up being a 12-yard pass to Jahan Dotson. And then a third and seven, which ended up being a nine-yard completion to Dotson. So our, you know, our biggest plays of the game, third down, going right to our best player, Jahan Dotson. Um, Kevon Lee had a 24-yard run on the drive to get things moving. And then Levis finished it off with uh, a two yard touchdown at the goal line. Again, as we talked about using these Penn state quarterbacks and their skill sets to their advantage going, you know, Michigan does get the ball back and they start driving a little bit, but then the Penn state defense sack fumble and an amazing play by Shaka Tony. Unfortunately, you know, you got the bad, uh, bad break on that play as he batted the ball back in bounds. But since he batted it forward, it ends up being a penalty, which, at first, a lot of people thought it was just like a penalty where, you know, Michigan's in a punt because it was a third down play. And instead, it ended up being a first down. And from there, it was like, here we go again. In Ann Arbor, like, refs are at us again. But they ended up making the stop. Third and two, they make a stop on the, on the ground. Fourth and one, they do it again. And I saw on social media during this game, a lot of people comparing it to the 2016 Big Ten Championship stop against Wisconsin. Um, also saw, and I think this is a little bit more relatable, going back to 2004, the, the fourth down stop on uh, Indiana at the goal line, where they stopped Indiana at the goal line four different times. And then from there, Penn State was able to lead the clock. The last five minutes and 37 seconds of the game, they ended up getting two third down conversions. Michigan had no timeouts left because of those conversions. And, you know, a really, really strong closing fourth quarter for this Penn State team that, I think they're going to be able to ride this wave going forward. Yeah, I'll tell you, when I saw that that you know call get overturned and you know Penn State didn't in fact get to recover the fumble, I was just like the same thought process as you. I was like, are you kidding? This is we're gonna this is gonna happen to us again out in Michigan. Like this is it happens every single time. But I mean, when I was watching it live, I, I was sitting there. I'm like, okay, like oh, we'll just get a couple penalty yards, but we still get the ball. Yep. And then turns around and I, I see Michigan offense out there first and 10. I'm like, what is going on right now? I had no idea. I said, this is just brutal. 
I didn't think that was going to be the call. Like I thought, oh, maybe we'll get, you know, 10 yards off or 15 yards off, whatever it may be, but we'll still have the ball, which is, you know, most important in that situation because we just wanted to kind of run the clock. But obviously that wasn't the case. But to the defense's credit, I mean, I, I had no faith in them to be able to stop them there, um, especially after a play like that kind of you know, swings the momentum. And you know, we've seen them um, really go down to the lowest of lows when they don't have the momentum on their side. But they really, really – um, made a nice stand there, which I was very, very pleased with. Yeah, and talking about the bad a little bit more, it seemed, you know, going back to 2008, I forget who it was that recovered it and batted it, whether it was Navarro Bowman or Tyrell Sales. One of them batted it upfield, like, five, seven yards. And, like, it's like okay, well, they missed that call then if this call was <laughs> because Jack and Tony, I thought it was pretty close to being a lateral bat, but, you know, it went upfield just a little bit. But – the whether I forget it was sales who recovered it or batted it, I forget exactly, but somebody batted it pretty far upfield in 08 and uh they got the call wrong there apparently. <laughs> but um yeah, this is I thought it was a great ending and you know I thought it would have been a great play for your boy Jason Elway, who, you know, has kind of been a little bit disappointing in terms of getting to the passer this year. But that was a, a huge play in that moment. But fortunately they were able to make the play when it mattered most on the fourth and one. All in all, I thought, you know, like I said, pretty strong game offensively and defensively, playing good complementary football. This was by far the best showing from this defense, especially once they eliminated the big plays. We know Michigan's been struggling a little bit in terms of getting their your quarterbacks going, whether it's Milton or McNamara. We saw McNamara have an injury uh, during this game on Saturday, but really strong performance. So let's get into some of the highlights that we saw both offensively and defensively. You want to start with the offensive highlights? Yeah. Um... Was this the, the Parker-Washington breakout game that we've been waiting for? I don't think so. You know why? He's <laughs> He's been established. We talked about how he's been racking up the catches these last couple weeks, but, man, he, every week he just impresses us more and more. Yeah, I mean, he had a really, really nice game. Um, nine catches, 93 yards. I mean, that's good on its own just looking at the numbers, but a lot of those catches were kind of big plays you know big situations that they really needed a good catch from um some you know third down conversion and even some second and longs to make the third down more manageable which they kind of struggle with third and longs. so that was huge um for the offense and keeping drives going but he was just really consistent in getting separation which is something that we've mentioned as a weakness for this wide receiver group in general so um i was really pleased with um you know, seeing him out there and just kind of seeing all this times where he was just like wide open <laughs> to get a good pass, mm-hmm. a good pass. And um, to Clifford's credit, he was kind of ag- more accurate than we've seen him. So he uh, kind of had that connection with Parker Washington that really, really, really helped the, the offense. Yeah. Washington was very good in this game. The the first drive I mentioned, the 20 yard catch that really got them into business and getting on um, to Michigan territory. Um, he did avoid that one fumble early in the game which was very fortunate. Uh, but other than that, you know, he's, I think he's really established himself as a top notch receiver in the big 10 that, you know, this year, again, kind of a wash because of the record, but going into next year, Washington is somebody that even if Jahan Dotson does return, you know, he's somebody that everybody is going to have to circle on their scouting report when they play Penn state and say, we have to stop this guy. Otherwise it's going to be a tough day for the defense because he's establishing himself as a, a big time breakout player, which is kind of what we expected seeing him 
you know, on the depth chart as a starter to start the year. And he's, he's proven himself uh, out there every Saturday. Yeah. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, game planning against him now, which is nice to see that now we have teams game planning against Dotson and against Washington. Yep. Now for me, the highlight for me, and I've talked about it multiple times this year, and you mentioned it was Kirk Soraka's best game. I totally agree. And I think a lot of it is because of the philosophy that they brought into this game. Yes, we know Michigan's got a weaker defense than they've had in recent memory, but they were able to do many things that they haven't been doing this year. And it's not, you know, necessarily execution, but it's, I think it was game planning. Some of this was more motion in the offense. We saw the tight ends go in motion quite often. Uh, we saw the receivers go across the motion or go across the formation and see what kind of matchups they had. And, you know, that's something I just wanted to see all year was to create different matchups, see what kind of defense the opposition is in, and then you can make your reads. They did that on Saturday um, more than they have all season. And then also I mentioned the two third down conversions to Dotson. Those are key plays, and we are getting the ball to our best player. That's something we haven't been doing this year either. I, I think last year we did it incredibly well which is why we had a better season, even with a lot of the same, um, you know, personnel besides Hamler. You know, we saw, I saw last year against Minnesota, for example, when we were trying to make the comeback. We're throwing Fryermuth and Hamler, throwing Fryermuth and Hamler. We avoided, you know, the guys that are, you know, a little bit further down the depth chart. Same thing Saturday. We needed big plays. We needed big conversions. We went to Dotson. We went to Levis in situations where we needed him, you know, the, the third and ones, the third and twos and they were able to take advantage of his ability. And then, you know, we saw Lee was running the ball well. Okay, we're going to keep giving it to him on third and two with two minutes left, and Michigan has no timeouts. All right, seal the game. So kind of giving the ball to the hot hand and your best players, I thought I thought really paid off for them on Saturday in a way that they haven't planned for all season. So that's something I really loved, and I think it's something I'm going to keep looking for as we go into these next two or three games. Yeah, I know you've been mentioning it in every podcast. You're like, can we just get them to just do a little bit of motion, just kind of throw the defense off a little bit? And, yeah, we definitely did see that, which I think kind of plays into why we saw Washington kind of open as much as he was. Because, you know, I think the defense was just kind of thrown off a little bit because, I mean, for me, I didn't really see all the, the, the plays getting stuffed at the line like we have seen all season. No. We didn't even see that play – um, the, the read option in particular, um, really like for most of the game. So I think that was a nice to, a nice way to mix it up and kind of um, change up the, the fortunes of this offense. Yeah, I think you brought up a great point where we weren't having those negative runs. We were constantly ahead of the sticks. And for a team that is a little bit compromised in terms of their offensive talent right now, missing three of your best players and having two quarterbacks that aren't playing up to their standards, that's the best way to put them in very good situations and, you know, playing from, you know, third and 12 and third and 13. Yeah. We're going to make some mistakes. We didn't see those on Saturdays. We were constantly, you know, third and short, second and short in good situations to succeed. I thought a really good job overall by this Penn state offense. 27 points isn't anything crazy in college football these days, but it was the way they got it and they were able to control the game offensively. Exactly. Uh, you have anything else you want to touch on with the offense? Because I have, I have one more thing, I think. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I talked about him early in the season as my freshman of the year. That's going to go to Parker Washington at the end of the year. But 
we're seeing more Theo Johnson. I, he's at the tight end position. We're obviously missing Fryermuth. Yes, Brenton Strange is still the starting tight end, but we're seeing more of Theo Johnson. And although I was hyping up his receiving ability because of his size and his hands, he's done a great job with the blocking. And these tight ends aren't necessarily involved in the passing offense as much as they would be with Fryermuth, you know, on the field. But Theo Johnson is did a great job in, you know, propelling this running game to its best day that we've seen all season. So I'm going to keep looking for him as well because I'm very excited about him, not just going forward this year, but the next two, three years as he sticks around in Happy Valley. Hey, he's a young guy that's going to be a, a big part of this offense going forward. For sure. Uh, so let's get into the defense stuff. What did you think? Um, so I mentioned this a little bit before. I was like very happy with the run stopping defense. Um, I know Michigan had some big plays, you know, run plays in particular, but I really think that they kind of made some nice stands at the line. As we mentioned at the end of the game, the, the fourth, the fourth and one stand um, that they made to kind of to seal the game there to uh, finally get a win. But I I think the stat sheet kind of doesn't show um, this, but I really think it was their best game in terms of physicality up front. And that's something that we've kind of talked about and asked for all season because they've, kind of just looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, they were getting bullied up front. They never really were able to to stop any of the run, uh, running it, rushing attacks that any of the other teams um, have thrown at them. So this was probably the best game that I've seen um, out of them. But in terms of players, I thought that Brandon Smith was very noticeable on the field um, last week. And, I think he still makes some mistakes that kind of show, you know, his inexperience, you know, to be fair, he hasn't had that many reps to kind of show and get that experience. Um, But he definitely shows some flashes of someone that's going to be really good next year. And, you know, hopefully the years moving forward after that. Yeah. Smith, I think I said it early in the season where he has a lot of big play ability. We saw the interception versus Nebraska. Uh, We've seen a couple of big hits. And I think it's getting to a consistent level of that where we saw Micah Parsons do that very early on. That's what made him an All-American last year. You know, Brandon Smith has that kind of talent, let's be honest. He was rated just as high um, as Parsons was coming out of high school. And we could definitely project that on Smith as well as he's a big play linebacker. We just need to see more consistent efforts out of him uh, going over the rest of the year and into next year as well. Um, you mentioned the defensive line. I guess Haskins from Michigan, their running back, uh, he had 100 yard, 101 yards, I should say. The long he had was 59, and after that, he was pretty bottled up. Um, you know, And then I think taking away the passing game, both McNamara and Milton really struggled, really helped that defensive line as well, um, where they're not guessing as much uh, as to what's going on because Michigan had to run the ball a little bit more to move the ball. Um, but for me, again, I was, I was impressed with the scheme that Brent Pry had on Saturday. And I thought we had a little bit more man coverage than we've seen in recent years. And I thought that really helped um, Joey Porter Jr. more than anybody else, where we saw a lot of deflections. We saw a lot of pass breakups, especially towards the line of scrimmage, where these passes that have been usually open out in the flat, you know, they go for six, seven, eight yard gains. And that sets up the offense for second and short, third and short, and they can go for big plays. We didn't see that because they're taking away those short gains. And I thought 
some of that could be attributed to the man coverage scheme that we saw just a little bit more of than we've seen all season long. Again, you can't, if you're own five, you could try different things and if it doesn't work. Okay. Well, what you were doing when you're own five didn't work either. This ended up working pretty well and going against a couple teams these next couple weeks that don't have quarterbacks that are, you know, the Justin Fields or the Michael Pence Jr. level. This could possibly work going forward as we see, you know, maybe Porter Jr. is stronger in man coverage than he is in zone. So we'll see. But that's something I liked as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you there because we've seen the zone coverage has not been their strength for, you know, a couple of years now that, you know, the prize been running it. And I think that kind of attributed to the, the lack of communication that they kind of have when they're running that. And we kind of haven't seen any improvements in that department like I have kind of expected coming into the season but I was also very happy to see some more man coverage because I think that like you said that's you know Joey Porter Jr.'s strength um, to kind of um, play in that kind of defense and I, I think a lot of the other guys kind of shined in that too and they looked a lot better in the secondary than they have throughout the entirety of the season. Okay so we've been asking these questions each and every week as Penn State keeps chalking up the losses, but for this game, what was one thing that was different from the first five in your opinion? Um, I think everyone just kind of looked um, a lot better and they kind of gave a lot more energy than they have because they, I've kind of got the sense in the first couple of games that they didn't really want to be there. And I think they kind of came out with a lot of juice and they kind of brought their own energy to, you know, an empty, uh, big house. You know, you're you're foreshadowing for me right now. <laughs> um, but for me, the thing I saw that was different from this game, it's very obvious, not only watching the game, but looking at the stat sheet after, and it's the lack of mistakes. No turnovers, one sack allowed, and the penalties weren't an issue. They played a really good mistake-free game, and I think that's the biggest reason why they won. You know, we, we saw that Michigan had to earn each and every yard on offense, they had a hard time stopping Penn State. Penn State didn't stop themselves. Penn State made Michigan earn everything. It's the reason why they won the game for me. You know, there was no free yards, free scores given up. So keep that going forward, and you'll again, you'll have more opportunities to win. Um, so okay. going forward, these next couple of games, what do you expect from uh, this Penn State team? I think we kind of just look for a team that actually wants to be there. Now you kind of see a team that has um, the confidence to move forward. And I mean, looking, I think in Clifford's um, case in particular, I mean, he looked a lot better in this past game um, in terms of accuracy and his confidence in the pocket, as as you've mentioned before. Um, I'm kind of hoping that he builds off of that, you know, for the remaining games that in rest of the season, because I mean, we've seen last season what he can be and we haven't seen it yet this year until I mean, probably this week, I think he was, like we said, it was his best game this season. So I think hopefully he can kind of build off of that um, and and turn this season into something because obviously it hasn't gone as what he had planned it to go as, you know, the rest of the Penn State team has. Um, we have one win <laughs> to the, regular yeah. se- or the rest of the season. So, um, but as far as him um, and just, just going forward for the offense, I think, the the play calling will be a lot better going forward. I really would hope so because this game was different from all the other ones in terms of them not being as predictable. And 
I would really like to enjoy the rest of the season. So uh, as I did this game, so I hope that the offense and Kirk kind of brings this, the same kind of uh, unpredictability, if you will, um, to the rest of the games. And hopefully we can get a couple more wins. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. I just keep building on, you know, these different nuances to the offense, keep building on it, Kirk. Yes. Um, yep. Keep getting more, keep getting more uh, complicated for defenses, you know? Yeah. Now you mentioned energy in the last uh, question and that's, for, that's the answer for me is I'm looking for energy, a lot more confidence as well. Walk around like you're a good football team because look, you want a game that monkey's off your back. Now go out and just play nice and loose, nice and relaxed and see what happens. You know, we avoid the turnovers, avoid the mistakes, go out and keep making big plays, go out and keep handling the line of scrimmage and, and, and forcing your power there. Good things you're going to keep to ha- like keep happening. And then, you know, if Penn State rattles off three, four wins in a row to end the year, we're looking at this team a whole lot differently going to 2021 in a normal, more normal offseason. I shouldn't say normal, but hopefully more normal offseason, um, depending on how things go with this country. But we need you just have positive moments and keep the energy up because going to next year, I think that would provide a huge boost and a lot more confidence from the fan base um, in terms of this team going forward. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what kind of confidence they come out with next week too. And hopefully just, you know, tone down the, the fire Franklin calls for a, for a little while. Yeah. I'm sick of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you ready to get into some mailbag questions? Yeah, it's just some mailbag. All right, so we have mailbag questions from our usual contributors, Jack and Aaron. Unfortunately, we tried getting them on the show again, but they're unavailable. And to them, I think you guys are going to jinx us because we bring on the podcast one time and we win. Now you're not back on the podcast, and who knows what's going to happen on Saturday. So uh, we'll start with Jack's question first. Uh, thoughts on how they use Levis, specifically the play where Clifford took a hard hit to set up third and two. They got him off the field and let Levis finish it off. Maybe two QBs won't be such, uh, won't be so bad if they could push the right buttons at the right time. I think this is something we touched on in the whole pod. They use these two guys to their strengths on Saturday, and it ended up playing in Penn State's favor. Yeah, I mean, we know we knew going into it. At least, you know, I mentioned it in the last podcast that they needed to use both quarterbacks. There wasn't to me a clear cut starter that they, um, that earned the start or that earned the, all the playing time. So I really liked the way they used them, particularly the play calls that they had when each of them were in, I think, it, as you said, really played to their strengths and really helped this offense. Yeah. And going to the other quarterback, Aaron's question is thoughts on Clifford scrambling out of the pocket and throwing for the first time in a while and saying, putting his head down and running. Is it possible he could get back to being as effective as last year? Uh, you could start with this one, Brandon. Yeah, I think I mentioned a little bit about it before. I think he was different in that when he was scrambling out of the pocket, he kind of made good decisions. He wasn't throwing it into coverage. He was throwing it away when he needed to, and he was only throwing it downfield when you know there was kind of a surefire completion in front of him. And I like that, and I like when – a quarterback is smart enough to know like when to throw it and when to throw it away and when to run it. I think a lot of times Clifford is a good runner, but I do think a lot of times he um, overestimates his ability to, you know, his movements and and his speed when he's running. Um, So I think this was finally good to see where he kind of kept his head up 
threw the ball away when he needed to, didn't take an unnecessary sack or tackle for a loss if he was trying to continue to use his legs. Um, so I think this that was kind of one of his strengths in this game that really helped him look a lot better than he had, you know, the whole season. And something that we did see, as he mentioned, as effective as he was last year, we did see that kind of play last year um, where he kind of knew and was making better decisions as a quarterback. And I think a lot of that has to do with the positions that Penn State was on uh, in you know, terms of the yardage and the down, where we didn't see a lot of second and 14s, and he's had a scramble to either pick up a chunk play so they can make it a third and manageable, or he's just trying to make a play to convert the first down and really force an issue. We didn't have to see him force any issues on Saturday. A lot of plays were you know, second and six or third and three. And he was able to execute those. And if he didn't, and he didn't have a play, he didn't have to force anything because if second and six, there's an incompletion, he throws it away. Okay, well, it's third and six. And I can still throw a, a pretty intermediate pass to uh, one of the best receivers in the Big Ten and somebody who's breaking out as one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. So I think the, the yardage, and he didn't have to force anything, really contributed to the performance that we saw on Saturday from Sean Clifford. And if Penn State can. Uh, consistently keep him from being away from behind the sticks and keep him in uh, really good positions on the field. I think he absolutely could be as effective as last year. And granted, we didn't see the big plays in the passing game that we saw at times last year, you know, talking Michigan here, Michigan last year with Handler going around the field. We haven't seen those. And we didn't see those this year against Michigan, but that could open up as well going forward. And we see Clifford, you know, I don't expect him to be the 11 win quarterback that we had last year, but he can certainly get pretty close to that um, if he finishes with a pretty consistent um, close to the season. We, we haven't seen the deep ball come back from him yet. So, I mean, if we, if we can get the big plays later on in the season, I'd be happy if he could hit a couple of those throws. Yeah. He's still definitely overthrowing a lot of deep balls and we, that that part's still frustrating, but we'll get there. We'll baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, baby steps is right, yep. And, you know, one other thing, talking about, like, being able to get rid of the ball on certain plays and, you know, not creating mistakes on yourself instead of, you know, the defense really forcing them. I was watching – were you watching Chiefs Buccaneers yesterday? Uh, I caught a little bit of it, yeah. There was one play where there was three guys around Mahomes in the middle of his, you know, just – killing Tampa Bay and he had three guys around him about to take him down and somehow he just gets rid of the football checks it down to one of the running backs incomplete but like Tony Romo was on the call and he he just mentioned it and he's like that's what separates him from any other quarterback is he's so strong and he's so elusive that he can just get out of these plays and for a lot of quarterbacks like if Tom Brady was on the other side of that that's a sack it's an easy sack and it's a disaster of a play but for Pat Mahomes, it's like, hmm, next play, we're okay. You know, we're going to convert the next play anyway. I think we saw, you know, not to the Patrick Mahomes level, but we saw Sean mm-hmm. Clifford put himself in positions to allow himself to yeah. uh, not make mistakes. So, again, something just – we see it in the pro game. It does translate to the college game if you can execute it, and we'll see if they execute uh, things like that going forward. Yeah, I think he just wasn't waiting as long as he normally does because I think he always was – trying to make that play, as you said, force it. Like, I think he always felt that it was very, a very crucial play 
um, to the game because they were always backed up. So I think he, we kind of saw some more some patience with him this year or this game because I think he kind of knew that they you know didn't have to convert all in once. He could throw it away and you know live for the next play, as they say. So that was something I want to see moving forward, and you know hopefully he can continue that moving um, into the remaining three games of the season. Yeah, you have any else, anything else you want to add to uh, today's pod? No, guys, thanks for the uh, the mailbag questions as usual. I hope you uh, will join us again. Um, hopefully that this didn't uh, this didn't this doesn't mean that we're not going to win this week. I I am a very superstitious person, so uh, let's hope for a win. And you know, we still want you on next week, regardless of what happens. Yeah, like that's a great point. Don't jinx us, guys. <laughs> Um, so again, thank you guys for the mailbag. As always, guys, you can follow us on Twitter at For the Glory OOS. Follow us on Facebook for the Glory of Old State, and continue to um, rate, share, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, we're on both Apple and Spotify for the Glory of Old State. You'll find us, and we thank you again for listening. We hope you guys all have a good day and uh, stay safe out there. Guys.